Welcome to The Modified View, the podcast where we get to talk about cultural body modifications from all over the globe in all different time periods. I'm Ashlyn, your host, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about a very interesting age-related ritual, dental modification of the Maya. Some of you may or may not be familiar with this, but it represents a really amazing case in cultural body modification for social identity, social constructs of pain, and the importance of age-related rituals. To be completely honest, this one makes my stomach turn a little, but hopefully by reviewing Mayan history, culture, and ways to conceptualize the body, we'll get a better understanding of its appeal. Whenever you're ready, let's jump in. The modified view. As early as 1500 BC, Mayans settled in villages and developed agriculture based around corn, also known as maize, beans, and squash. By the year 600, cassava was also extremely important. However, many of these dates are contested. The Mirador Basin in Guatemala is considered the birthplace of Mayan civilization, but it may have been one of many. The rise of the Maya happened around year 250, lasting until about the year 900, and is known by historians and archaeologists as the Classic Period. At its height, The Mayan civilization consisted of more than 40 cities, each with a population between 5,000 and 50,000. A few of those major cities being Tikal, Uexacton, Copan, Bonampak, and Riobec. Most Mayans settled in the lowlands of present-day Guatemala. It is estimated that around 2 million Mayans made up the peak of this population. At this time, the Han Dynasty in China had disintegrated, and the Roman Empire, enamored by plague, invasions, and internal conflict, fell into crisis after the murder of Alexander Servius by his troops. The Caprian Plague also started around this time, killing around 5,000 people a day in Rome. Back in South America, after the year 900, the population declined abruptly, leaving many city and ceremonial centers vacant and overgrown by jungle. There is again much speculation to the cause of this, potentially due to the mix of armed conflict and exhaustion of agricultural land, largely due to war-related disruption affecting rivers, trade routes, deforestation, and drought. Archaeological records show us that many refugees of this time period fled north. The post-classic period from the year 900 to 1519, many cities like Chichen Itza, Uzmal, and Mayapan continued to flourish for several centuries. Most Mayan cities and ceremonial centers feature a variety of pyramid-style temples or palaces overlain with limestone blocks and are richly ornamented with carvings or reliefs of astronomical and ceremonial narratives. The popularity and recognition of these images among native South American cultures ensured its prominence and lasted well into the future. However, the true nature of Mayan society, the meaning of its hieroglyphics, and the chronicle of its history remained unknown to scholars for centuries after the ancient buildings were discovered by Spaniards. 
scholars in the mid-20th century mistakenly assumed that Mayan society was comprised of a priestly class of peaceful stargazers and calendar keepers supported by devout peasantry, in contrast to the more warlike indigenous empires of central Mexico. But this ended up not being the case. Mayans often engaged in war with other communities as well as internally. Deciphering Mayan hieroglyphics in the 1950s revealed dynastic rulers who waged war on rival Mayan cities, taking their aristocrats captive who were often tortured, mutilated, and sacrificed to the gods. They ate, drank, smoked, and snorted substances, but also took time to flush them out of their bodies and reshape their consciousness with powerful drinks. Modern-day Maya are mostly agricultural, raising crops of corn, beans, squash, and cassava, and live in communities organized around central villages which may be permanently occupied but are more commonly used as community centers, with public buildings and houses that generally stand vacant. Families travel between their homes and these centers during various events to gather with the rest of the community. Mayans like to see the power of a space— Buildings had multiple layers and were often built atop of other buildings, like a palace or throne room on top of a temple or burial site to legitimize its power. I think this is important to note that Mayan peoples generally buried their dead beneath or within their domestic structures. Religion and rituals played an enormous role in Mayan culture. Mayan religion was polytheistic, meaning it consisted of a large number of gods, which were mostly based around nature, the sun, moon, rain, and corn, and was closely tied to mathematics and astronomy. A priestly class was responsible for the elaborate cycle of rituals and ceremonies. Priests and nobles, consisting of a king, most often a man but occasionally a woman, scribes, and government officials, made up the upper class. Merchants and traders were in the middle class, and farmers and slaves were the lower. The fusion of sciences in religion is unique and impressive, especially with their use of zero and positional notation. Other notable achievements is a complex calendar system based on the precise positions of the moon, Venus, and accurate prediction of solar eclipses. Bodily affliction and human sacrifice were fundamental religious rituals of Mayan society, and thought to guarantee fertility and demonstrate piety. If practices were ignored, cosmic disorder and chaos were the result. It was common for Mayan rulers, the medium between the Mayan people and the gods, to undergo ritual bloodletting and torture to make contact with and to nourish their gods. Out of the many rituals that exist in pre-classic and classic Mayan society, we will be focusing on rituals dealing specifically with age. These rituals are unique because they can represent the passing of time, social movement or transformation, and can be both private and public matters. I encourage you to think of some age rituals that you might have been a part of. Think of things like birthday parties, getting your driver's license, consuming certain substances, and the social implications of each. Age in Mayan classic societies presents a paradox. They stress the aesthetics of youth, yet they value accumulated wisdom and ancestors. Many words and references to youth and age are presented in glyphs and show us some of the relationship Mayans had with conceptualizing age. In colonial documentation around the 1500s, 
Words for adults are for those in which the heart is alive and prudent, while for older people, even those without white hair are used up, rotten, hard, or dried up, but also rich with wealth and family, rotten being the most common word for old people. Age implied not decrepitude, but an inherent authority and strength, like the pungency of an overripe fruit. The Modified View One of the most interesting things about this particular kind of body modification is that teeth are partially hidden. If you think about it, we can really reveal them when we decide that they should be seen in a sense that we can turn them on and off. And out of all the human body parts, the head cross-culturally has great importance, namely because it is the center of most sensory apparatuses by which we engage with the external world. Your nose, your eyes, your ears, taste. And of course, how societies interpret this importance varies significantly. Mayan peoples are a great case study in body modification because they possess a taste for permanent body modifications. And most of these show up as more than just an act stemming from personal motivation. Many of their modifications symbolize the connection between identity constitution and embodied experience. Defining ancient people's identities is challenging for a number of reasons, and it is doubly difficult for archaeologists to tease out these identities of ancient peoples when they're only looking at remains and artifacts. As we will see, Mayan body modification was clearly associated with age, especially in the case of dental modification, marking an influential milestone, if not the completion of the body. It's a ritual that occurred late in the process of early age rituals that were centered around maturity. As we discuss this and we go through a number of archaeological sites, something to keep in mind that, in all accounts, dental modification seems to be an extremely painful process, which, if you think about it for long enough, you can understand why. It is a process that involves filing, engraving, or drilling into the teeth. You know, teeth are very sensitive. It seems, though, that Mayans may have found a way to lessen or dull this pain because their environment is conducive for producing natural pain relievers, but the jury's still out on this one. But some authors argue that pain is actually a very influential part of the process of dental modification in the sense that it creates community and empathy within the community for these individuals. Detection of pain does not vary cross-culturally. However, the pain threshold, or how much pain a person can tolerate, is profoundly influenced by culture. Pain presents a universal human sensation, but it is channeled through specific cultural constructs. These authors argue that pain makes the individual aware of their body and can be used as a way to bring them back to their bodies and transform their experiences in the world later on. Also, shared pain through through empathy or simultaneous action reflects a greater social body where individuals share similar experiences. From here, we're going to go ahead and look at two different archaeological sites that don't necessarily represent entirely different periods of time in Mayan history, but offer two different but all still coinciding views on dental modification in ancient Maya. Of course, this dental data is better understood by also incorporating mortuary context, individual osteobiographies, and ethno-historic accounts. So we'll be adding a little bit of that into the archaeological sites themselves. 
Now, this first site that we're going to be looking at focuses on excavations of the greater Mayan kingdoms of Piedras Negras and Yaxchilan. This particular population of Maya lived in the Usumacinta region, which exists today between the Guatemala and Mexican border. This site focuses during the pre-classic period from 350 to 900 of the current epoch, this region was a focal point of travel and trade and conflict among Western Maya. Most of the sites were in and around Piedras Negras region, but collectively 122 burials were excavated in the 1930s, 1990s, and the 2000s. Other sites include El Quirel, Talcolote, Budzilha. A total of 55 skulls were recovered, with 47 having some type of cultural body modification. Not just dental modification, but others that I may cover in other episodes. Out of these burials, all individuals that were marked as being towards the upper or the elite class had body modifications. Most non-elite bur- burials had modifications, but the only burials that did not contain some sort of cultural body modification came from non-elite Now, we can assume that these non-modifications were due to having access or resources to the types of modification or their lasting effects afterwards or age-related restrictions. Due to preservation conditions, sex could not be determined reliably for the majority of the individuals, though they did attempt to and were successful with a couple of samples. Of the samples along the river, 64 sets of teeth, with enough teeth to make inferences on, were recovered with 37 having dental modifications, 8 with the denoted eek symbol, which we will be going into the meaning of that in a little bit, and out of the river samples only, 11 had distal notches on their canines. Most had filed down incisors, so the teeth next to your front teeth, to accentuate the other carvings. The central maxillary incisors, which are kind of referred to as the moneymaker teeth, are the focal point for most Mayan dental modification. It seems that these teeth could have been modified at any time after the 10th year of life when your adult teeth come in. It is possible that the loss of choke status, dental modification, and the passage of the first katun were all linked, at least for some people. The youngest remains found of people with modified teeth were between 18 and 20 years of age at their time of death. Younger adolescents were also found aged around 12 to 18, but did not have any sort of dental modification. Now, this site seems to claim that it was practiced relatively evenly between women and men, and it was not much of a gendered practice. The most common pattern among the Usumacinta sample is some variant where the central incisors are notched, reminiscent of the ik symbol denoting wind or breath. And again, we'll go into that quite a bit more after we finish talking about this particular site or these particular this particular region. Others had modified versions of ik with a triangle shape rather than the right angle notch. Typically, the height of the other lateral incisors were also filed down to emphasize the central notch teeth. Now, other than shaping the teeth, Mayans also drilled into the surface of said teeth and inlaid them with stones, including jade, pyrite, and hematite. We assume that this is 
some kind of display of wealth and class, a means to achieve beauty inaccessible to most other people. And some of these materials even had meaning. Jade, for instance, was a durable symbol of fertility and vitality. It was also closely affiliated with wind and breath, reinforcing the same principles as ick, which we'll look at it in a bit. This site also shows that dental modifications were not limited to elites. All members of Mayan society seemed to have the right to modify their teeth once they reached adulthood and potentially passed some other sort of age ritual. Inlaying was somewhat rare, but it still exists in all levels of Mayan society and required more skill than filing or shaping. There is evidence even of multiple smaller inlays in a single tooth rather than just one big one. Now let's talk about the meaning of ik. In Mayan society, the plumeria and other flowers are related to wind. In the sense, that wind is the means by which scent is carried. The term eek typically occurs along with the flora sign in death expression. We interpret that it concerns the termination of breath and by extension, the termination of life. The earliest example that we have of this comes from the late pre-classical monument, Caminal Huyu, assembled probably around the time of Christ. It portrays a profile of a deity's face with a prominent eek sign as the mouth. Many other monuments and temples through the late classic period present eek situated at the mouth of deities and buildings with no speculated change in meaning. Jade is also often seen in conjunction with the eek symbol. <laughs> The second site that we're going to be looking at provides finds from the late to terminal classic periods, so 400 BC to about 980, from the Rio Bravo Conservation Area, which was excavated, first excavated in 1992. It consisted of 132 individuals, 62 of which could be assessed for a dental modification, just meaning that they had enough material there to tell if their teeth were modified, and 26 of those 62 had dental modifications of some sort, of some variety. The majority of individuals with modified teeth modified their maxillary teeth, which is the top row, which are the most visible when the mouth is open. It's more visible than the mandibular, which is the bottom set. And then the central incisors, which are the front teeth right before your canines, were again more often modified than the lateral incisors or canines. So the front two teeth, basically. However, they did note that there was also one individual with a modified premolar, which is just the ones like right behind your canine. If you think about how your teeth kind of come in, you know, over the years, it's on, it's on one of those ones. A total of 16 different Romero types of modification were displayed, with several individuals having more than one type of modification. Now, it seems that only a portion of these individuals did not have dental modification, and we can kind of assume that this suggests a particular identity associated with dental modification. If most individuals are having dental modification and some of them are not, even though they fit the same demographic ranges, we can assume that there is an external or cultural maybe reason that these modifications are happening or that they're partaking in this. 
The sex of individuals, that could be determined. So not a ton of them out of this site were actually able to be determined. It was roughly even. That indicates that this is not really a sexed practice because both men and women seem to be able to partake in it at the same degree. 41 out of the 132 visuals where sex could be determined, 22 of them had dental modifications and 19 did not. And it was split about roughly evenly. Data from these sites was mainly gleaned from mortuary contexts and materials, so like specific grave types, the locations of the graves, materials used to assemble the graves, and the goods that were inside of it as well. So things that like you bury people with. All dental modifications were found on permanent adult teeth. So like even those premolars, those are your adult teeth. They're the ones that you keep with you for the rest of your life. The youngest individual with modifications was between the age of 14 and 20 years old, which seems like a pretty large age range, but that kind of shows us that it's around the time of, well, first off, age reflects the age at death. It's impossible to know when modifications were made, but it does show us that it was around the age of puberty, maturation. Now, some past investigators have claimed that different styles represent ethnic differences, but at this site, there's no real evidence for certain styles being grouped in any particular area, this site, and in reference to a couple of other sites that the authors talk about within the study. Now, the authors covering this particular site provide a very interesting view, in my opinion, of dental modification, but body modification in general that I'd like to go over with you. So, as we know, irreversible body modification during life signals a shift in the individual's identity in a lot of ways. But oftentimes, pain as a medium for that identity growth is often overlooked. There are essentially two dimensions of corporeal body modification that were likely also an issue for pre-Columbian Maya. One important end of body modification is to facilitate identity construction or reconstruction. Something that they point out, though, is that, though not all, the majority of body modifications produce painful sensations. Pain is a universal experience. Now, as we talked about earlier, it varies a bit cross-culturally. Not necessarily the presence of pain, but the amount of pain that people experience, but it is an experience and a state of being that often gives rise to sympathy for others. Painful experiences are memorable, and it's also important to think about body modifications in this way, because conflating these practices into a single corpus of bodily transformation really fails to recognize often subtle historical shifts in artistry and meaning. Body modifications are personal and thereby reinforce creation and control of one's self-identity, or an invitation into a subculture where an, a certain amount of shock value also provides intrinsic motivation. Now, I know this has been a little confusing, but the author puts forth this notion that we should consider pain as an intentional product of cultural body modifications. Now, to help guide this thought, because you might think to yourself, well, why in the heck would I want 
to experience pain for something other than it make being meaningful or adding meaning to it. Pain is an intense sensation from the start. But if you think about think about something like childbirth. Childbirth is almost entirely defined by pain and, you know, the miracle of life and whatnot. But when you think of childbirth, the first thing that comes to mind is the pain that every mother has to go through in order to produce their an offspring. Though in this case, it is unintentional. It is a state of being that connects all mothers. It is the rite of passage into motherhood in that example. Cultural body modifications can be viewed almost in the same way. The pain is a part of the rite of passage. The pain is the passage. It's the gate that you pass through to become somebody else, to become something else, to be viewed as something else. And everybody else that has also passed through that gate shares a sort of empathy, a community of connectedness because you've undergone the same type of ritual, the same type of pain. They know where you've been. They know where you're coming from. And that I just thought was a very interesting way to view not only dental modifications, because oh boy, does that sound painful, but body modifications in general. The modified view. Dental modifications have many different variations, as we've seen, not just within Mayan culture, but cross-culturally, and I encourage you to check out the sources that I've listed in the show's notes if you're interested to get a better understanding of some of these variations, specifically in the ways that we categorize these modifications. Also, Mayan sites are constantly being reworked and rediscovered. Many of these new sites, which are consistently changing the narrative of Mayan society and what we understand it to be and how it functioned, are only possible with new technologies like LiDAR. Lastly, I encourage you to look for age-related rituals in your own life if you didn't do so earlier. If you have any questions or want to tweet me your answers, you can find me at The Modified View on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. A big thank you to the talented Ali Larned and Kenneth Ketchum for the logo, and the musically exceptional Brian Esser for the sounds. Wow, that was so cool. I actually like that a lot.